Ah, yes, the magnificent Trolley Sourbright Crawler, also known as Trollicus brightolus. The worm's captivating neon colour makes it an easy gummy prey. Trolley! It's a surprisingly sour, invitingly chewy, staggeringly snackable species unlike anything else found on this planet. Eat me! Delicious. Visit trolley.com to shop now. Trolley, eat me! Hello and welcome to the Olive Magazine podcast. My name is Laura Rowe and I'm the editor and host. This week, now it's officially autumn, we're talking about our love-hate relationship with spice, pumpkin-flavoured everything. Janine and I round up our favourite new cookbooks and we have a special appearance from the editor of Gardener's World magazine talking to us about cucamelons. First up, here's Jordan, our digital intern, and Charlie, our web editor, talking about why sometimes they love and sometimes they hate Spice Pumpkin. So this week is rather exciting because we have a new member of the Olive Magazine team. Jordan Kelly Linden is our new digital intern. Hello, Jordan. Hi, Charlotte. Hello. And you've been spending this week looking at trends and one of the ones that we've picked up on and I'm sure lots of you have picked up on too is spiced pumpkin seen it in chocolate bars in hot drinks in recipes and we actually put as our October cover recipe pumpkin spiced donuts with salted maple glaze which were delicious hence why they were the cover recipe Um, but what do you think of spiced pumpkin Jordan because sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't Mm, I don't I can't get my head around it so at the weekend I tried um, a spiced pumpkin ale, as you do, right. it's at a craft beer festival and it looked really exciting, but I, I didn't get any of the pumpkin notes through. It was light mm. and it was floral, but it didn't taste of pumpkin. Not pumpkin-y is, enough. No, like, spice, which is quite a strong flavour. Spiced pumpkin itself doesn't necessarily include pumpkin, does it? I think that we looked is it true. up. What does it actually well, have to have in it? <laughs> According to Google, <laughs> it's an American spice mix with a blend of powdered cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger, cloves, and sometimes allspice. So complete absence of pumpkin. Mm, I don't know what's going mm. on there. Maybe it's supposed to evoke a feeling of autumn and like and October yeah, and coziness. You kind of put them in like pumpkin soup, don't you? Like they're the kind of main spices. Or pumpkin pie. That's true. I love pumpkin pie. That's American through and through. Indeed. <laughs> so it's maybe a bit unfair to judge true. something. Because it just doesn't necessarily have to include pumpkin. Yeah, maybe it's a, a mental stimulant or something yes, going on there. Perhaps. Not actually. <laughs> Who knows? But there must be. There must have been something that you have enjoyed that's spiced pumpkin flavour. I mean, the ale wasn't bad. It was like I liked the novelty of it. <laughs> okay. Um, but I don't know. I've seen some other things out there. Like there's a spiced pumpkin liqueur. Ooh. I mean, I'm not too sure about that. Right. What know. would you What would you put that in? A cup of coffee or I something? Don't know. Like make a autumn milkshake or something, or on top of pumpkin pie, just it, to yes, oh, go weird. the whole hog. shot alongside. <laughs> and then there, a lot of the coffee chains are selling spiced pumpkin yes, drinks, which sell like hotcakes, usually with cream on top. I did have one of those last year, and it made me feel quite sick. Mm. I, had to well, ha- I had to have a sit down. I went out at lunch and got one as a as research. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, again. I, doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't really evoke pumpkin. Not um, to you. It's a bit Let's toffee. have a sniff of it. Yeah. it with you. Yeah, it does smell of mainly cloves I'm getting yeah. and toffee. <laughs> it's just, it's warm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it, it smells of autumn, which Indeed. is nice because this wasn't on sale a month ago. No, so it does, it's definitely 
herald a season. <laughs> nice. What, yeah. what, what else can you tell us about Spice Pumpkin? I mean, it's completely kind of invaded our lives. You can get <laughs> you can get candles. You know, oh. if you're in the bath, you want to want a smell of Spice Pumpkin. Yeah. Okay. Um, or I've seen I've seen peanut butter and Spice Pumpkin. Oh. Yeah. As a blend. As a blend, like, like a yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. you know how you can, like people are getting really adventurous with peanut butter. So yeah. that's another trend. Everyone loves that. Yeah. Um, that's like a new mix you can get. Okay. <laughs> can you get that in supermarkets? I, I, don't, don't, know. Know. I, I don't know. I haven't seen it either. Well, it might just be an American kind of thing that's well, not come over yet. First, yeah. Aren't they? <laughs> and then yeah, obviously we talked about like the sweets and there's caramels you can get. I can see it working in caramels. Yes. Uh, they would be quite nice. To be fair. Yes, or a part of a, as part of a chocolate selection box or something. Ooh, yeah, it might be nice. Chococo usually do some really interesting flavour blends. I think they might have a spice pumpkin one. Oh, have so to have a look. We'll have to have a try of that. And we <laughs> also have our own welcome back to Blighty cocktail. Yeah, which quite is, unusual. Yes, vibrant orange in colour, and that's pumpkin puree and saffron syrup, which is basically <laughs> the same kind of thing, but a bit more genuine. Yeah. And more exciting to do, I guess. You're making it at home. Yeah. Quite hands-on. A bit more genuine, a bit more... A bit posher, I suppose, (laughs) than just buying a cup of coffee with pumpkin spice in it. But I quite like it. I think it smells good. and It makes me think of cosy nights. Yeah, I wouldn't mind a candle, I don't think. No. Um, Is there anything else that you've seen on on your trend watch that people should be aware of? Apart from the hilarious memes that go about yes. <laughs> mocking the pumpkin, spice pumpkin. Oh, so people aren't taking to it well, are they? Uh, no, 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 they do. Like, I think it's like certain people, probably, like t- I don't know, teenage girls have their obsession. And it's like, I've got to go, <laughs> go get my pumpkin spice. <laughs> um, and there's loads of memes out there being like, oh, you know, it's autumn when <laughs> hordes of teenage girls are running towards the shop. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. It's quite, it's quite interesting and quite funny to scroll through Twitter and... Yeah. Um, Instagram and find stuff like that. Yeah, I wonder what will be the next thing. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, I think that will do for today on Trends. Maybe we can catch up with you another week. Thank you very much for joining us, Jordan. Welcome. Thanks for having me. No problem. If you like the sound of the spiced pumpkin donuts with that gorgeous salted maple glaze, remember you can have a look at those on our website now, olivemagazine.com. Next up, here's Janine, our food editor, and I talking about our favourite new autumnal cookbooks. Hi, this is Janine. Um, today I'm in the studio with Laura and we're talking about our favourite books that have come into the office in the past couple of weeks. So these are autumn cookery books. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start with with my selection. Um, I've got two from opposite sides of the spectrum. <laughs> I have two. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first one I've got is by Harry Eastwood and it's called Carnival. Now, um, it's a quite an interesting story because Harry used to be a vegetarian. Right. Um, and Carnival, the carne bit, um, pertains to meat, as in the whole book's about meat and a celebration of cooking of meat. Interesting. Um, she decided when she was going to come back and eat meat that um, she wanted to do it kind of responsibly and, you know, treat the animal with respect. Yeah. So um, in doing that, she did a lot of research Um she went off and worked at Smithfield's Meat Market for a while. That's um, one extreme to the other. Exactly. But, but a very cool place to go. <laughs> she worked on a cattle ranch in Australia. Wow. Um, she has been involved. She's been to slaughterhouses. She's done her own butchery. So she's got a very kind of um, 
you know, in-depth in view of what mm. happens to animals, how they're treated, animal yeah. husbandry. And she talks about that a lot in the intro to the book. Um, so there's sections on, you know, what the ethical and environmental implications of eating meat. And she sort of gives you a lot of information yeah, um, and stuff that you can kind of take away and then make your own decisions, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, so when she did come back to eating meat, um, she said she basically only eats it about two or three times a week so okay. basically she's kind of part-time vegetarian as well yeah, flexitarian but but the message from the book is very much you know if you're going to eat meat then save it up for those really great recipes yeah. and there are some fantastic recipes in here because she's a brilliant um recipe writer right. so um i've picked out a few that i'm i'm particularly fond of um the first one and there's a lot of technique in here as well is um how to make your own salt beef which i'm really Oof, interested yeah. in and i'm definitely going to attempt this okay um you have to pickle it for seven days or brine it. So you put it in a brine and leave it for seven days wow. um, before cooking it. So it is a bit of commitment. Yeah. But, I mean, we all know how good salt beef sandwiches are. Really good. So um, really good. I think I'm definitely going to attempt that recipe. And also, I suppose, going back to her uh, learning about the husbandry of the animals and stuff like that, that's showing real respect to the meat. You know, that's not just a quick flash in the pan. That's you're no. treating that meat with some serious yeah. respect. And, and then you get to control the process as well yeah. because you decide, you decide which bit of, you know, the brisket isn't isn't a very um, expensive piece of meat, so you can go and go to a butcher and get a really you know well looked after animal yeah. piece of brisket, and then you can treat it yourself and then cook it yourself, so you kind of know exactly where it's came from as well. Whereas a lot of salt beef we probably buy, you would just get it in a packet, basically yeah. finished. So that's that's a really lovely idea to do that. Definitely, I reckon I'm going to do that over Christmas. Yeah. And then kind of more technique. I absolutely love this idea because um, I love buffalo chicken wings. Who doesn't? <laughs> We're all obsessed in the office. Yeah, I've pretty much picked the, um, the sort of most <laughs> trashy American recipes in there. Um, she said she discovered it when she thought, I, I don't really want to fry my chicken wings. Yeah. So what she does is she tosses them in salt and baking powder. And baking powder? Yeah. Okay. And then roasts them really low in the oven for an hour and then whacks up the heat. And apparently it turns the chicken wings incredibly crispy on the outside it's like a drying out thing yeah it's a drying out thing amazing. and baking powder must sort of you know remove some of the moisture which is a just Very a, clever. a lovely technique and mm -hmm. and obviously you don't smell a fat afterwards yeah and then it's tossed in a like a traditional glaze of like red and green tabasco cider vinegar worcester sauce garlic honey and which just sounds so you like, still have all the mess all oh, yeah, over yeah, your yeah, face because yeah, yeah. that's obligatory yeah. this needs napkins yeah <laughs> this one um, and that one is absolutely um, I've got that ear. I'm drooling at the do. picture. Yeah. Watching you there. <laughs> Finger licking. Yeah. Um, and then finally, I can't go past a rib recipe, basically. <laughs> um, but what's really nice about this is she gives you instructions on how to turn your barbecue into a smoker. Okay. So I think, again, what I really love about this book is there's there's lots of great recipes, but it's also the technique as yeah. well of like how to treat the meat and how to how to finish it. And, you know, it, it's not sort of just giving you a recipe and saying, put this in a smoker. It's actually telling you how you can do it. Apply it, it at so, home, yeah. yeah that's, so, that's such a good tip. Um, that book's out now, um, Harry Eastwood Carnival. So I would, I would definitely recommend people go and have a look at that one. Cool. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I have... Um, Antonio Carluccio. This is actually his 25th cookery book. Can you believe he's written 25 books? That's crazy. I he's mean, we such know, a I know, he is, he's such a legend. And um, this book is all about vegetables, so okay. it's the opposite end. Yeah. Um, and he says in the intro, you know, Italians really do love their vegetables, mm. but they tend to, um, as we've seen with, you know, a lot of River Cafe books as well, they tend to sort of really respect them and just mm. treat them quite, quite gently and quite simply. Um, so... 
again, this book is it's a little bit of a textbook too, because um, within the intro and within the chapters, he talks a lot about the sort of the seasonality of the vegetables and what's around. And there's some quite unusual ones in here as well. Um, so you kind of learn quite a lot as you're reading through the chapters. Mm. It's not just recipes. Um, I love those sorts of books. That's like a proper investment. That's earning its, its place well, on you your can, shelf. Yeah, and you can kind of, you know, you, re- you can really feel the knowledge behind yeah. it when he's talking about it. It's very natural. It's very flowing. Yeah. So you kind of feel like he knows exactly what he's talking about and he's going to get the best out of each of these things. Um the ones I've chosen to highlight are quite, I've, I've chosen quite kind of seasonal ones, as in, you know, we're moving into winter. What you winter. fancy right now. What yeah. I fancy right now. And what I fancy right now <laughs> is um, a rustic potato cake. <laughs> yes, I can see why that looks so good. Is that yeah. got loads of cheese on top? Basically, he says, it's quite sweet, that um, when, he w- when he was a kid, if he had the rustic potato cake for, um, for lunch or dinner, that he knew that his mum had been scrabbling around in the back of the fridge and the larder <laughs> because there was nothing left and, make... she would, and she was trying to make something out of nothing. So it is very much kind of like, you know, there's a, there's a tiny bit of um, parmesan in there and then mm. there's provola cheese, mozzarella cheese, cooked ham, some eggs oh um, and, you, and, and potatoes that have been boiled and mashed and you kind of mash it all together. Yeah put it into um, a, a cake tin with um, spread breadcrumbs on top and bake it. And then you can slice it like a cake. And I mean, it looks fantastic. That sounds so good. And, and I like that idea of, you know, you just, he says, basically, if there's leftover veg or anything, you can just throw it all in there and it'll just Fridge make it dinner. dinner. Fridge raider cake. Yeah, yeah definitely. Love that. It's a good, good recipe title. Um, and then I love a stuffed veg. <laughs> <laughs> I think yes. um, it's it's a it's an Italian thing. He says the Italians love to stuff a veg, basically, <laughs> okay, don't they? And, um, yeah, well, he okay. actually says the Italians like to stuff any type of vegetable that lends itself to this purpose. Okay. I mean, courgettes, or aubergines, peppers, we know. Yeah. But this is a gorgeous one for stuffed onions. I love a roast, a whole roast oh, onion. Oh, my God. And um, what you do is you hollow them out, and the mix that goes inside is... Um, is well this has actually got some a little bit of meat in it a bit of sausage meat raisins pine nuts nutmeg cinnamon oh God, what a combination so um it's it's sort of spicy and warming so you can just imagine having that like sit with a nice glass of red wine yes beautiful so good and finally because at olive we've got our favorite vegetables and one of them is cauliflower <laughs> you might have noticed, <laughs> Don't know if you've noticed. yeah we're a bit cauliflower mad this year aren't um we? <clears throat> a really simple recipe for cauliflower fritters and you know um cauliflower sometimes needs a little bit of help mm. and with this recipe what he's doing is he's um, making a batter from just just eggs flowers but then lots of fresh chives in there dipping the cauliflower florets in it and deep frying them and i mean that sounds amazing really good yeah. <laughs> really really good so that's a lovely book from antonio coluccio and it's out on october the 20th so look out for that one okay cool. what have you got laura well, Janine, I'm glad you asked because <laughs> I have basically, I think, the two different types of men that I would like. Okay. <laughs> so I have, let's go with, with, the, with the nice guy, Mr. Nice Guy, but such an incredible book. So yeah. this is um, one of my favourites that, that's come in for possibly all year. So this is Gil Meller's Gather Book. So it's published in late September. Um, and for those of you that don't know him, he is a River Cottage chef. Oh, yeah, he works with Hugh. I've seen him on Hugh's programmes, yeah, actually. Yeah, so he's probably like a really familiar face, but you might not. It's his first book, so you probably haven't seen many yeah. of his recipes out before. But um, it's very much that sort of unique style of sort of home cooking, very yeah. seasonal-led. Um, and there's 120 recipes in here. And he says that they're inspired by the landscape oh. in which he lives and works. So he's, he's into his foraging as well, isn't he? he? Is. I think, like, like Hugh... <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, there's lots of kind of like 
gorgeous styled shots of him in like leather, uh, leather trendy aprons. leather aprons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> peeling veg. And then there's like him on the shoreline, like picking mussels and things. So this is your sensitive man. This is my sensitive man. <laughs> um, you know, this is the man I should marry and my mum would definitely want me to and I want to as well. Um, but mostly just because he cooks really good food. Um, and so each of the chap, the books sort of split up into chapters. So you've got Moorland, which is game and herbs. Then you've got Garden, which is your tomato salad, soft oh, fruits. Okay. And then you've got like seashore, um, harbour, woodland, orchard. So it just feels very natural and um, in tune with with planet, nature planet nature earth born. nature yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean you can see how many stickies I've got in this book to there's so many <laughs> recipes I want to cook um, so yeah it's uh, there's just some really they're kind of quite simple recipes yeah. but they're really winning flavour combinations so like from the farm section we've got here a toast with goat's cheese rhubarb and lovage oh my that sounds like, amazing gorgeous really simple you know not many um, w- yeah I wouldn't have thought of putting rhubarb with goat's cheese no, I mean, but, but it makes sense. It makes sense. The, you've like, got that tangy goat's yeah. cheese, you've got the sharpness, sweetness of the rhubarb, and then you've got that kind of real earthy, parsley-like yeah. flavour from the lovage. I mean, that's me all over. And that's that's going to take you 10 minutes, yeah. that recipe, which I love. And then there's this one, which is radicchio and oh, crab gratin, yeah. which is, like, so good. So you've got... Is that got cheese in it? It looks cheesy. Yeah, you've got Parmesan <laughs> cheese on top, uh, butter breadcrumbs, and then inside you've got gorgeous um, white and brown crab meat, double cream, mm. um, the red radicchio lettuce, chilli flakes, lemon, um, butter. Again, it's quite a nice, simple idea as well, yeah. isn't it? Just tossing it with all of that cream and cheese and then baking it in the oven. But you know, it's going to yeah. taste really yeah. good. Yeah. Um, and again, you don't really need like any fancy equipment or you don't need to spend loads of hours in the... Um, kitchen yeah. but you're going to produce really good food this one's slightly more summery there's like courgette flowers with salt cod but that's kind of stuffing mm. them with the salt cod and then you've got um toasted crackled pumpkin seeds on the side um so you've got lots of different textures paprika. going on there yeah yeah it, he just really understands flavors and textures I, I like recipes where it's quite you look at the ingredients and you're quite surprised by yeah, what it's putting together because exactly. you know someone's been through and and you know work worked that all out so yeah i mean you can tell he's been cooking for years yes, and he yeah. really loves food and he loves playing with it there's crackling and damsons here as wow. well like damsons and compote I mean, that just looks so good so yeah i really love that and i could just tell you every recipe in here but yeah it's such a such a good book and you should definitely buy that then there's there's the bad boy let's move on to the bad boy shall we um so this is the uh man that my mother would not want me to marry and he wouldn't want to marry me either because he's happily married and this is his family book so this is <laughs> this is An- okay <laughs> um this is anthony bourdain um so he's had a bit of a break from writing books he's, yeah. so he hasn't released a book in like 10 years um, so I was so excited when this I heard this was coming out. So this is, um, it's called Appetites, a cookbook. So it's typically him. It's so not, you know, a, a watered-down version. <laughs> An editor must have been pulling their hair out because they would have had no control over him. I don't think we'd expect anything less, though, would we? No, exactly. I mean... um, it's uh, it's not a typical cookery book either. Okay. So, I mean, yes, it's got recipes and it's meant to be kind of his home cooking. Oh, so it is home cooking rather it... than his chef stuff. It is and it isn't. Right. It's inspired by his home life. So it's oh. recipes he cooks at home. So, you know, you've got a whole section on Thanksgiving, for example. Yeah. Um, and you've got, you know, some one of the sections is on sarnies. There's no, like, real traditional recipe book structure to it. So it's not, like, starters, so main course of desserts. It's more kind of, like, mood and occasion. Yeah, and, so yeah. Um, it's everything from breakfast to salads, soup, sandwiches, hamburgers, pasta... Uh, birds, meat, you know, it's like really a case. It's basically whatever he wants yeah. to cook. And then 
as an example, he's got a chapter on dessert and that just says, I don't like desserts. <laughs> <laughs> Eat Stilson instead. And I kind of love that with a couple of F and Jeffs in there between. Yeah. And there is a lot of F and Jeffs. Okay. Yeah. Um, not for the kids. Not It's not for the kids. Um, but I kind of love that as well. Well, it's him, isn't it? I mean, it's his personality. He's, he's got such a huge personality. It would yeah. be a shame to bury that yeah. in a really polite cookbook because he's not like that. He's not like that at all. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, so you get his little anecdotes and his stories yeah, with and each his recipe. Are great. Yeah, and the but the the other thing that makes it very different to a traditional cookery book is the pictures are not. I know I'm gorgeous. looking. And I can't see some really <laughs> well, kind, kind of you know mm, food that looks a bit got at and yeah kind of thrown around and they're kind of gorgeous and grotesque at the same time. Yeah. So some of them are kind of quite traditional ish. You know, there's a I'm looking now at a picture of a pasta bowl with some hands. That's you know fairly traditional yeah. food styling but then you know there's a picture of a caesar salad where you just got a packet a salad packet in a bin with like fag butts and stuff oh. in as well and you've got another one where um they're kind of eating noodles out of a, an army helmet <laughs> and a bit of toast stuck to his boot for the sandwich section you've got him eating a sarni on a toilet there's a very weird one of a uh well, no, I'm not. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. There's a man in some sort of like crazy, safer situation lying down. And you need to, you just need to look at it. It's, it does it's look fun. really unusual. Yeah, it's really unusual, but it's kind of, so it's taken, he's been in working in, you know, professional kitchens for decades. Yeah. So he knows how to cook really good things. Um, but some some stuff's more involved and you need to take your time over. Like there's yeah. um, an incredible laxa recipe that I'm desperate to try and make. Yeah, because, I mean, he's travelled in Asia so much that he must he must have nailed that recipe. Yeah. Because he's eaten so much of it as well. 100%. And that's, you know, a very involved recipe and that's like a good couple of pages. Yeah. Um, but it's it, quite nice as well, you know, when, um, you know, we, we don't always have the space to run like super long recipes. Yeah. But it's nice to have that space and time where you go, actually, if you want to make it properly, this is how you do it. And exactly. it, is, it is going to take you three pages to read this recipe, <laughs> yeah. but it's worth it. Yeah, it's really worth it. Um, and just kind of, flicking through now to show Janine <laughs> the different types of pictures mm. so there's a roast chicken image you might yeah. expect a beautiful roast chicken on a plate golden yeah, skin yeah that looks like a lot of offal <laughs> yeah you just got like a, a chicken head some guts and some um feet, yeah feet like. and stuff but I kind of like that so it's yeah. it, it's a real foodie book it's and then the next page then you've got step by step um guide as well so like carving how to carve the chicken yeah how carving to, how, how to, to tie it up it, how yeah. to put yeah how to join it how to stuff it nice. um yeah, his picture alongside a uh, pheasant with bread sauce is a uh, British star pheasant with bread sauce is him dressed up in army gear with loads of feathers. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, it's just fun and it's playful. But then I think it would make a great present for someone as well. Yeah, I mean, I'd be well chuffed if somebody yeah. gave this to me. So it's playful and fun. You've got all these really cool recipes, but then you've actually got really practical advice as well, like say in the Thanksgiving planner, which you could apply to Christmas with some of the recipes he, he's got in there. He's got this sort of what you do on day one, what you do on mm. day two, but in his typical you know, in his with his personality, it's not dry. But that's great because I mean, obviously, with his years of cooking as well at home and at work, he would have mm. he would have you know ingested all of those rules and all yeah. of those things that you do to get ahead and yeah. stuff that you can cheat on and stuff that you can and that's the sort of thing that people really love. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, he's quite. He sort of says that that he's quite. Um, 
it's hard for him to go back to standard cooking in his kitchen because yeah. he has his rules from the professional kitchen. But I think it informs and makes really good recipes then. And, and these are the recipes that he's cooking for his daughter and his wife. Damn. Yeah, damn. <laughs> but yeah, he's a bad boy, so I shouldn't be going for somebody like this anyway. But I'm more than happy to read Maybe his... we can find you someone in between <laughs> Gil and yeah. Anthony. Maybe there's a kind of a, you know, a little Maybe. bit of bad, a little bit of sensitive. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I'm abusing my position on the podcast now to try and find my perfect man. But I would take happily either of them, to be honest, uh, just for their cooking skills. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they're my recommendations for this month's Gathered by Gil Meller or Anthony Bourdain Appetites. Well, they, they both sound brilliant. Which, whichever type of man you like, you're going to like those recipes. 100% cool. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Laura. All right, thank you. And last but certainly not least, we have a special guest, Lucy Hall, the editor of Gardener's World magazine, speaking to Charlie, our web editor. They're talking about the cucumelon, how to grow it, eat it, cook it, and even have it in your drinks. So we have a special guest today, Lucy Hall, editor of Gardener's World magazine. Thank you for joining us, Lucy. It's a pleasure. And you are here to talk about cucumelons. I certainly am. Because you bought us some this morning in the office, and I'm looking at them now. They look like... Oh, it's so hard to describe. The shape is that of a tiny, tiny aubergine, uh, but they are melon patterns, but they taste like cucumber. Is that correct? That's right. They're like a tiny, tiny sort of doll's house size watermelon. And and they're like grape size at the ideal time, and that's when you pick them. Um, But yes, they are cucumbery, so they're sort of very um, fresh. Their, their other name is Mexican Sour Gherkin, which I think gives you slightly the wrong impression because they're not sour, but they have a citrusy tang about them. But they're, you really want to think about them as being a hit of cucumber. Right. And I've never grown them before and I've never heard of anyone growing them before, but you you say they're very easy to grow. Yeah, I've been growing them for three or four years, actually. And I very first remember hearing about them, oh, 10 or 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with a name like Mexican Sour Gherkin, it yes. doesn't really entice you no. to grow them. And then about... But um, four or five years ago, they came, they became more commonly known as cucumelon. And then it's, so it's like cute cucumelon, love it. Yeah. And people actually really started to get into them and uh, people championed them. I grew them at that point and thought, wow, they're so easy. So if you've ever grown cucumbers, um, they're actually really easy to grow. You can grow them outside as well as inside. You can grow them in a big pot. I mean, they are, they're basically like a vine and they scramble. So they're a bit of a messy plant. Right. But, you know, it's easy as long as they're sheltered and well watered and get lots of light do you know what i've even heard of people growing them indoors so if you haven't even got a sort of like a sheltered um back garden or anything you can grow them indoors they just need lots of light and lots of water water's the key is that watering every day uh it depends on you know stick your fingers in the soil have a have a have a have a look um but the more water they can get the better because it swells them basically yes but uh yes so keep them well watered and um put them into a large pot but i mean this is this is something you wanted to get going in april so the seeds are are quite small tiny seeds and um but really kind of really straightforward if you've never sown anything before they're kind of really forgiving you just have to be patient because they take a little bit of time to germinate unlike other things you know salads and stuff that are really quick um they're actually quite slow to germinate they they can take up to sort of three or four weeks okay stick with it because they're absolutely worth it and then they and then they gradually build in strength and then they romp away so for me they they kind of went from tiny and tiny and, and I'm thinking, oh, come on, come on. <laughs> come July, boom, suddenly they explode into this great big scrambling, rampaging vine. And 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 then I'm sort of cropping properly from August right the way through to the first frosts. Okay. And what 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 do you do with your cucumber? 
cucamelons? <laughs> do you put them in salads? Do you eat them raw? I eat them raw. I snack on them. I have them in the greenhouse because okay. I'm lucky enough to have a greenhouse and I grow tomatoes in there. So when I'm kind of picking and looking after tomatoes, which, which are, can be a bit of a fiddle, you know, watering yeah. and picking off and stuff, um, I sometimes have a little snackette on the side, which <laughs> is a cucamelon. I thought, oh, look, that's so small. I might as well just eat it. And I do. Uh, so I just, you know, they're a real snacky thing. But okay. actually, I tend to bring in bowls full into the house and actually, you know, just trying to avoid eating bad things. Yes. Um, it's a good thing to snack on. But I do chop them into salads because they're a really nice cucumbery crunch. And I have heard uh, that they're great in a gin and tonic. Okay. Now, I've tried them in a Pim's. But to be honest, it just got a bit lost, the flavour, because Pim's has got a strong flavour and you've yes. got all that other fruit stuff sort of competing with it. But I think a gin and tonic, you know, if, I mean, there's nothing lovelier than a cucumber gin and tonic. Yes. So actually a few cucumelons just chopped in half uh, and in a kind of lovely zingy gin and tonic, I think would be great because that lime combination is going to go really well with that, with that slightly sort of citrusy bite of the cucumelon. Or you could even make a puree a cucamelon puree and use that as a base for a cocktail or something like that. Oh, yes, you, you could know. do. Yes, icy but, and slushy. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, it was worth a try. I think we should try them because I've never tried one before and I have them in front of me. So here goes. Yeah, you get that real wow. crunch, don't you? Oh, it's seriously crunchy. So that's the, that's the thing. These were I literally picked those last night, so they're really fresh. You can keep them in the fridge for about a week or so. Or, of course, what you can do is, um, you know, at the end of the mm. season, and you've eaten your fill of them, you can turn them into a pickle. Yes. So or a I, chutney? Would they work in the chut- as a chutney? I think so. I think the nice thing about a pickle, though, is that you really keep this sort of identity of them, the shape of them. Yes. And you still get some of that bite coming through. Yes. My, my, I've never put them in a chutney, to be honest, so I don't know. But I, my fear would be it would lose that bite, which yes. to me is what the what lovely, is. you know, texture of the cucumelon is actually, it's all, it's a, as much about the texture as it is about the sort of slight hit of citrus. Yes. So I think, uh, for me, a pickle, and I'm going to try it this year because I've actually, I've grown more cucumelon this year than I've ever managed. So I think it's, <laughs> Because we've had a very um, sunny and warm August and September, which is prime time, growing time for cucumelons. So that's the thing about it, is providing enough heat and you'll get lots of crops. Right. So they, they crop later in the year. Is this something that you could cook, flash fry or anything? I think you could. But again, mm. it's about keeping the crunch of yes. the cucumelon. That's yep. the really key thing and the okay. sort of freshness and zing. Yes. So I think they can't be overpowered because they've got a little, you know, it's a, it's a bit like a sort of cucumbery, watermelony sort of flavour. So if you've got those flavours in your head, if they're overpowered by anything, they'll just get lost. So I think you've got to kind of keep that flavour and okay. keep that crunch. That's the, that's the two joys for me about them. That's the selling point, crunch and then and then flavour. It sounds like you're a big fan of the crunch. I love the crunch. And, you know, and so yeah. I know a lot of people are kind of, because I, I guess the thing is, they, they they have no place for us in our conventional cuisine. We don't know what to do with them. You know, people keep saying, well, what do I do with them? It's like, well, they're fresh, so just have them in a salad. Or a snack. Or a like snack. Like you do in exactly. your greenhouse. But because, you know, people can be quite resistant, can't they, to trying new things. Yes. But I think it's just sort of keep your options open and try all sorts of things. But but think about, you know, crunch and, and freshness of flavour. Yes. It's also very lemony. I'm getting a lot of lemon from there mine. Is a, there's definitely a citrus mm. zing in there. I think a little bit of liminess. Yes. And I, th- I think that's where that kind of whole idea about sourness comes from. Oh, I wonder the liminess links into their other name as Mexican... Sour gherkin. That's, that's right, yeah. That kind of conjures up images of limey food. Yeah. But yeah, I think they're brilliant. I'd definitely try them again. Is there any reason why you wouldn't grow them? Is 
Are they difficult for any reason? Or? No, honestly, it's really about light and heat and just, and, and you can cram four or five plants into a pot. I literally grow mine in a pot, so like a foot across and a, you know, whatever, um, same again, kind of high. Uh, and I've got, got them growing on a wigwam, so lots of canes all tied together. And I have <laughs> three or four plants in each pot. So you really don't need a huge amount of space for them. Okay. And the thing about them is, you know, it's really difficult to find them, to buy them fresh. Um, you know, you might be lucky enough to find them at a farmer's market or a sort of very zhuzhy kind of greengrocer. But, you know, getting hold of them is so difficult. So, yeah. uh, or maybe you could probably mail order them through a kind of specialist food company. I know there are growers around the UK, but not that many. So, and the funny thing is, you know, um, I was looking into it a while ago and, and discovered actually uh, there is history of them being eaten way back in Aztec times. Wow. Because they do come from, they come from, you know, Mexico, Central America. And so, you know, here's us saying, wow, they're a brand new food. What do we do with them? <laughs> no one's discovered this yet. And it's like they've been around forever. So the Aztecs were cultivating them. And here's us now thinking, wow, we discovered something new. So there's all sorts of food. And I, I'm like, I, you know, I dare say, hey, you know, maybe you should go and ask, um, you know, the guys at Oaxaca, you know, what they would do with them because yeah. I think I think there's probably a lot of heat that you could have with a cucumelon as well. I reckon some chili could go with it really well. Um, and uh, but anyway, no, there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't grow them here in the UK. Okay. Um, growing them in a greenhouse will produce a bigger crop. Uh, which is obviously why if you grow them at home, indoors, you'll get a big crop. But they actually like a bit of humidity. So if you've ever grown cucumbers, um, you'll often see that actually growing them with more humidity and, as well as water at their feet um, produces a better crop. Uh, so it is with cucumelons as well. Okay. So bear in mind cucumbers when you're trying to grow a cucumelon. Exactly. Yeah. The other really amazing Mexican link here is that um, uh, dahlias come from Mexico, famously. And of course, the, the a dahlia in flower is a beautiful thing, but at its base, literally at its roots, it grows from this tuber, huge tuber that grows underground. And you dig it up in the autumn because it's not frost hardy and you put it somewhere cool to, to store and dry over winter and then you get it out again in the spring and get it going into life again. So it is with a cucumelon. I've never done this and I'm, I'm going to do it this year out of curiosity. I'm going to try and hold on to the roots because cucumelons produce big, big roots and quite sort of tuberous roots, I believe, um, once they've grown to a good size. And so you cut down the plant and you dry off and store the roots somewhere sort of slightly damp and cool. And then you get it out again next spring and it starts again. So in, in the same way that you can plant the same daffodil bulbs that's year right year. yeah and the same oh. and the same dahlia tubers what and so an investment on. so, so um, I mean to be honest you you might say oh, it's just not worth it you know I mean you can sow fresh seed every year in April and you get a brilliant crop so I don't know that you get any earlier crop uh, and it's something I'm, I'm going to find out so watch the space I'll come back to you okay. on that one but oh. um, so you know once you've invested in the seed uh, you could in theory have that plant growing on for years to come but you know as I say seed is so cheap you know, it's, it's worth a throw of the okay. dice. It really is because it's, it's so sort of easy. So just remember to do it next April. Okay, brilliant. Thank you very much, Lucy. We shall certainly do that. And thank you for joining us on the Olive Magazine podcast. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Lucy, Charlotte, Jordan and Janine. And thank you to you as ever for listening to this week's edition of the Olive Magazine podcast. If you like the sound of anything we've been talking about today, make sure you head to olivemagazine.com. You can also obviously buy Olive Magazine in all good supermarkets and newsagents. Plus, you can download our digital edition via our app, or you can interact with us on any of our social media platforms from Twitter to Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, YouTube. Just search for Olive Magazine. Please review and rate us on iTunes, and remember you can subscribe for free via your favourite podcast provider. Happy listening! 
happy eating and we'll see you next week